a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are my friends. Friends I wish I could be in the same room with right now, Liz and Matt. How are you guys doing? Good. Well. Yeah. Just like I said before, a little desperate for human contact because of quarantine. But besides that, you know, hanging in there. Yeah. How is how's the dog doing? Indy is doing well. He's adjusting to uh, to the move still, but he's uh, he's getting a little better. Okay. That's good. Uh, here's news that you guys will care about, but zero of our listeners will care about. Uh, Buster has decided he's afraid of me now. My dog. Your dog oh. is afraid of you? As of like three days ago, whenever I go near him, he growls and raises his lip at me and is, ter- and is like shakes in my presence. Oh, Whoa. no. Nothing has changed. He's just decided he's going to bite me now. Okay. That's not good. No, it's not good. He's, that, he isn't doing it to no. the kids, so I'm not so worried, but I'm, I'm kind of worried. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's... Go ahead, Liz. I'm sorry. That's just odd. It is odd. It's very odd. And Matt, not to make you feel left out, how is Chompers doing? He's doing all right. He's doing all right. He's, you know, sleeping 20 hours a day, which is normal. <laughs> not um, enjoying the heat. No. Mm-hmm. Chompers is living um, my dream. A lot of sleep I know. in air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we are here to talk about Star Wars The Clone Wars episode. Uh, sorry, sorry, Seasons four and five so liz this is your first time seeing these what did you think let's start with season four what did you think of season four overall oh i will tell you i had a tough time getting into season four i did i i saw matt it's probably i don't know matt what about a month ago now (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. i did tell him in person i was having difficulty getting into season four but um towards the end it did pick up but i had a tough time getting into it overall Mm -hmm. do you think that's because there was was there a major gap between seasons three and four for you in terms of watching it? Um, possibly. I, I think it's possible. I think maybe story-wise, maybe there wasn't <laughs> much connecting them. Um, maybe that's what gave me some trouble, too. Okay. Um, I, I think maybe that was part of it. Mm-hmm. Matt, you've watched The Clone Wars more than anyone I know. What do you think yeah. of season four? I season four is really tough. Season four is more like a mini series of short films. Mm-hmm. They building on what Liz was saying. They have no connection really to anything that happened before. They have really no connection to anything else in the series up until the last two episodes. So it's just tough. Um, for anime fans, it's really like a filler arc season. It's just a bunch of stuff that you know doesn't really matter in the end. So the stakes are so low, despite the fact that they try to make them really threatening with, you know, the first real evil Jedi we see. It's like, we know this doesn't matter. Right. Like, we know that they don't remain slaves. Like, what? Like, everything's going to work out and we're just going to bounce along to the next story beat. Um, So the stakes are low, but it's so drawn out at points that it just becomes tough to watch i would say uh as sort of the in-between person here you know i've seen these episodes before but not as many times as matt i would say about two-thirds of the way into the season things pick up 
I would say once we get to the episode Deception, where Obi-Wan fakes his own death, <laughs> to me, that is where things get more interesting. Just because we're starting... I'd agree. Just because it's it's a little bit weirder, it's something we haven't really seen before, and it's and it's Obi Wan centric, who I really like. I I think that the Clone Wars Obi Wan might be the best Obi Wan, and he's he's good in everything, but he's really great in the Clone Wars. Um, so that that's where the season kind of picks up for me. Um, but shall we just go arc by arc here, I guess, and talk about it a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So um, the first arc sees uh, Anakin, Padme, Kit Fisto, and Ahsoka helping the Moncala people. Now, we we know one Mon Calamari from the original trilogy, and that is uh, your friend of mine, Admiral Akbar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a trap, etc. Uh, lost in The Last Jedi when the, the ship is blown up. Uh, yeah. Tragic ending for Admiral Akbar. Um, but this arc doesn't do a ton with the Mon Calamari. Mm-mm. They're there, but we don't... I don't know. I, my favorite parts of the Clone Wars are when we get a real sense of who these species are, and I feel like that's not really present in this arc. Do you guys agree, disagree with that? Yeah, and it, it all it does is paint this really weird picture because it's an underwater governance that makes as much sense as Naboo. <laughs> it's a it's a it's one of our dual race planets um because we have the Mon Calamari and the um who are the other ones this um, gave me at the moment so it's like the squid and then the fish people yes um oh the corin yeah and it's just like the gungans and the humans they don't like each other much they need to rule they somehow have both a queen, but are also a democracy, and then also part of a larger conglomerate. That you're like, I don't understand any of this. Are you saying that we need to have the equivalent of Queen's Shadow for the Mon Calamari <laughs> people, so we can finally understand yeah. how the government of Mon Calo works? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I also Maybe like sure. that the they have a rolodex of like, um, like environmentally suitable allies that they roll through as the Jedi. Uh-huh. That part maybe was the best. <laughs> it's like, who can we have that don't drown? Oh, the Gungans. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so w- we do get more of that good, good Gungan action. Uh, and we get some Jar Jar, unfortunately, in these episodes. <laughs> um, man, Jar Jar is just insufferable in every circumstance. <laughs> but I feel like in the Clone Wars, he's especially bad. Because it just feels to me like there was no mandate to include Jar Jar. They didn't. None of these stories like need Jar Jar, and yet here he is. And he, and they he suffers from the same thing that um, we're talking about with like C three PO and R two D two. Their roles are always so overblown. Yes, like he is a nothing character, but somehow is able to save the Republic on multiple occasions. Yes, it's like really. I feel like Jar Jar, just like the droids, might be a kid-friendly character. Do you think kids really like Jar Jar? He's over the top. He's laughable. That's what I think every time I see him. Yes, and I think that I think it's fine to have kid-friendly stuff in the in these shows and in these films. What I don't understand is why it has to be kid-friendly and bad. 
<laughs> like you, well, you, you could have told good stories with him. It's <laughs> you know? a great uh, point. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, then after those episodes, we get two droid-centric episodes, which again, no one really is asking for. Again, I, I don't, I don't mind the idea. I, I, that's. I think this is why the Clone Wars, for some people, is a harder sell than Rebels. Because as soon as you get into what's happening, it switches to something else. And oftentimes yeah. it switches to the droids <laughs> or to Jar Jar. <laughs> and it just takes you yeah. into these like less important, less interesting, uh, you know, corners of the show. Um, anything to say about these droid episodes? I, no. No. I, I mean, it should be charming. It's Gulliver's Travels. It's Ooh. fantasy worlds. It like, but it's really just annoying. They're like, I, I I know there's cooler stuff coming later, but I have to sit through this. Yes. Um, speaking of stuff that I think should be cooler th- should be cooler than it is, is the next arc is a clones arc, the five hundred and first Legion with Rex and um, Fives and Jesse. And a lot mm-hmm. of the clones that sort of we've gotten to know over the first few seasons, but this, I think of all of the clone arcs, this one feels the most like it's two episodes stretched into four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? It just seems like there's there's not a lot going on here at all. Um, no, but, but, but it's such an interesting concept, though. Well, tell us about the concept. Like, like describing this idea, so we, we find the 501st, Led by um, a, I don't know, Goro spider monster, Ponkrell. Um, and he essentially tries to wipe out the 501st from the inside as sort of a gift to Dooku and the dark side. He, this is his kind of moment to run into the arms of the Separatists. Because he doesn't believe that the Jedi are following their way anymore. He is looking to kind of switch sides, um, which should be a seed that we plant for later on in season five, but not really. Um, but it falls flat. It, um, again, like describing it, it sounds really cool, but watching it, you're right. It's just too much, you know, how many episodes do I need to see wrecked? Like, struggle with morality and struggle with with um following orders versus following yeah. his heart yeah but it 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 doesn't pan out right it i think you're right it just misses some pacing beats mm-hmm. it could have been a really good two episode arc but just uh, drags liz any thoughts on the clones I mean, I, I tend to agree. I thought it was something that had potential. Um, again, you know, we see the clone struggling um, with the idea of, you know, someone who is in charge following orders, the idea that they commit, you know, mutiny in a way, treason, mm-hmm. um, you know, figuring out what is right, since they are sort of built to follow orders. Um, but it, like you said, it did seem to fall flat in some way. Um, I, this is where I thought the season was picking up a little bit, but it did fall flat. What did you think about the next arc, which is the the Slavers arc? Uh, let's see. 
That's let me check out my notes here. That's the one where the colonists are the hostages. Yes. Oh, it's where they take the colonists hostages. They turn them into slaves. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Um. Picking up again. Um. I I thought that was interesting again, and I feel like Star Wars does focus. Um. You know, a bit on the idea. Well, it does focus more than a bit on the the idea of slavery. Um, and how I, perhaps lucrative it can be. Um, I, and again, I thought that was interesting too, but I thought it was something else that kind of fell a bit flat in some sense. Um, this is the one Anakin came in at this point too, right? Yes, he came in on the yes. dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is something Anakin obviously, you know, feels um, very passionate about, and it gave um, him a chance to come in on the scene here. Um, I'm just checking out my notes. I, I, my thought on on these episodes is just that, again, I feel like this is the time of the Clone Wars when everything is so decompressed and dragged out, and there's mm-hmm. I, I, I think there's just no reason to have three episodes of this. Um, but you know, but there we are. This is what happens over and over again with these. Yeah, it, it's very confusing as to who storyboards them. I was thinking about this too. What if they had placed another, you know, clone arc after this? So you see some building in storyline mm-hmm. where you start to see questioning. You start to see this idea later on, you know, what happens when Order 66 comes around? They're starting to think for themselves. Are they going to think for themselves then? Um, but no, we just shift gears to what I just learned that is a inter a reinterpretation of a comic series right. that they shoved in the middle. So for reasons unknown. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, again, like I, I understand why it's going to be a, why not every arc is going to be the best thing you've ever seen. But to me, if you're mm-hmm. going to adapt a comic, then you can like the best part about adaptation is that you can cut out stuff that doesn't work. Especially like <laughs> it, it's different to go from a comic or a novel to something that's live action or animated because certain things work better in prints or certain things work better mm-hmm. on screen, you know. And I just feel like this feels like they had to ad- I've never read the comics, I can't say for sure, but it feels like they they struggled to get every bit of information from the comic into this and I don't think that was necessary. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So the next episode becomes a really important one. This one is uh, I believe the first of the season written by Dave Filoni. And that is the episode A Friend in Need. And this sees uh Lux Bonteri who is this the first we've seen Lux Matt or have we seen him before this? I think this is the first of seeing Lux. And Lux so becomes, we saw his mother in the last season. Right, I think this is the first of him. Yeah, and he becomes very important as this as the show will go on. Um, we also this is where we see Ahsoka first meet Death Watch, which mm-hmm. as we as we prep for the return of the Mandalorian in a few months, you know the Death Watch becomes very important. Um, so yeah, uh, any thoughts on this episode, either of you guys? Uh, fun fact: One episode, one episode of all this. Yes. Not not three, not four. Maybe that's one. why. It was a good, maybe that's why it was a good one. Maybe you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, this one felt important to me. I, maybe because it was shorter, it was compressed, it wasn't drawn out. Um, it's all the dark saber, so that maybe meant more to me since I've seen the Mandalorian. Right, right. Um, I, yeah, and it, it, I felt like they portrayed the Death Watch pretty well as being that cruel in some sense. It was sort of sad when the droids asked R two to reassemble them after Death Watch had just been shooting them mercilessly for fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So this is the part of the season where now I start to get more interested. This is when Obi-Wan fakes his own death and goes undercover. And I love the name he uses, Racco Hardeen. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great, like, that's a combo between a Star Wars name and, like, a pulp hero from the 40s name. It's, it's a yeah. perfect distillation of both of those things. And he's undercover. I mean, he looks like a Dick Tracy villain. Yes, so. he does. It's yeah. it's great. It's wonderful. And this goes on for is it four or five episodes? He's undercover. It, it's very long. Is it? Let's see. It's at least three. Uh, no, um, four. It, yeah, it's four. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was more. It's only four. Yeah. It it's to me. It starts off as really fun when he's undercover. And then after a couple episodes, you're like, well, I, I, this is still <laughs> kind of fun, but I wish it was something else maybe now. Um, yeah. Right? Yes, I agree 100%. It is the most ridiculously far-fetched plan. <laughs> yes, it is. It's yeah, so funny. It, it, work. Yeah, it's like the Batman animated series, the squid episode, like <laughs> drawn out into... You know, a forever long nonsense. Well, can we try? Can you can you cogently explain? Because I cannot. How he changes his appearance? Uh, I, I think it's just like plastic <laughs> surgery. They just—it's not Mission Impossible level mask. No, I think they literally just like rip open his face and then <laughs> put it back together at the end. I guess. Yeah, it's very very strange. Whoa. Yeah. Um, also. They destroy his face, and then he wears a mask for ninety percent of it. <laughs> That's true. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, and then but, every time it's like, it's like Hardeen. I thought you were a bad guy. It's like I am, but I'm also good at heart. And it's like I guess I'll believe that. And it's like yeah. what? What the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's hard because I love Cad Bane so much. Well, as I was going to say, this is your boo. <laughs> I know. Like, The Box is an okay episode. Yes. But I think you end up learning more about Cad Bane than you do anything else. Um, it, I don't know. I don't know. I have a hard time that they lie to Anakin and tell him that Obi-Wan is dead. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, get, I get why, right? Like, I, I understand intellectually why. But it's yeah. it's pretty dumb. It is, and it's like the short yeah. game here. Aren't they playing like the long game? Someone <laughs> that already has trust issues and has lost the most important people in his life. You're just gonna lie for this one particular reason. Is it really that important? Yeah. Well, and the, here's the here's the and part of that is my issue with the the big scheme of this, um, like with you. This is Anakin's first of ninety times where he's like. I don't know if I can trust the Jedi anymore. And I was like, and he, but he has the same revelation at the end of each season because you know he needs to have this revelation by the time 
uh, the third movie hits, but they keep just revisiting this same plot line, but never building on it. He never actually does anything. He never actually ends up questioning. He just throws a fit, and then we move on. Right. Like yeah. he he gets upset, but he never intellectualizes <laughs> it. No. Nope. Yeah. It's like you said, my master was dead. You framed my apprentice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you held me from my wife. Like, okay. I guess, I guess I could see why. Yeah. It's like what? Yeah. yeah. Um. So then we get to the the episodes that that close off the season here, and these these are the ones that are uh, that to me are the most the most important going forward because we get a lot of maul in these episodes. Oh, so, I thought you were going to say because we have a racist snake. <laughs> <laughs> that snake is very bizarre. <laughs> I mean, we do get a racist snake. You're not wrong about that. Um, you know, but <laughs> I, I was I was talking more about Maul. But if, if you want to go oh, off. Oh, I could see it, that. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to talk about the racist snake, go off, King. <laughs> no, I just... <laughs> So, Brothers and Revenge are amazing episodes, um, but they do suffer for some normal Star Wars what the hell. First, Savage Press <laughs> finds his way with a little magical amulet to this junk planet. But from a trader who's bringing who's making deliveries to the junk planet, like what what delivery schedule <laughs> is this guy bringing to a literal hell? that is just filled with garbage. And then he meets Morley, the Chinese stereotype snake, who leads him finally to his brother, um, who is played by the amazing Sam Winter, um, who just, in anything he's in, steals the scene. Um, but I that, that, was, that reveal was amazing. Was that a... Re- did you go into this knowing this was going to happen, uh, Liz, or is this new for you? I did not know that. I knew eventually just because of the most recent season that Darth Maul was in the most recent season, but I did mm-hmm. not know he would show up here. So it was a surprise for me, which was nice. Yeah. I, I think this is also uh, – this is what I want to spend a lot of our time talking about today, which is that I think if all you know of Darth Maul is Phantom Menace, you probably think Darth, Darth Maul is a pretty lame character – but when you see him here just as Maul, he's no longer a Sith Lord, he's just he's sort of mm-hmm. his own thing, I think the character becomes really, really interesting and really good. And we'll get more into that in Season 5, but what did you think of the first few episodes of Maul here, Liz? Um, I, I really liked these episodes. Um, I don't want to give too much away if we're talking about our favorite episodes, but... Um... I, I liked these last two. These two, the last two episodes redeemed season four for me. Mm-hmm. Season four has been my least favorite season so far. These two episodes really redeemed the season for me. I really enjoyed them. These last four episodes also have a lot to do with Asajj Ventress, who's mm-hmm. another interesting, good character uh, throughout these last couple of seasons. And so like, I, I really like Ventress as a character, especially... There's a there's a, a novel called Dark Disciple that was supposed to be one of the arcs of season six of the Clone Wars that never got produced, so it was made into a novel instead. And that is a really good Ventress story. So I I'm a I'm a nice. Ventress fan. So I I really enjoy these last few episodes. Yeah, that that was a plus too. I, I get it. It's interesting to note that the characters that were not introduced by George Lucas are the only ones that really seem to have 
or have their arcs built by Lucas? Are they the only ones that really seem to have any sort of growth or maturity or anything? Well, I mean, like if you want to talk about a character, like a looking at the development of a character, Maul is fucking amazing. Um, Ventress has such a redemption arc; it's wonderful. Ahsoka, just we've talked a lot about that, but they're just things that you wouldn't know unless you did this deep dive into a seven season series, which is a shame. Well, I wonder how much of that is because these characters didn't have to hit a beat in episode three. Like, there's only mm. so much you can do with Anakin and Obi-Wan and Padme because you know where they have to be at the end of this story. Whereas Maul, at this point, there was nothing there was nothing connecting Maul to any future date, right? So you could do anything mm-hmm. with that character. Literally anything sure. with that character. Same with Ahsoka, same with Ventress. And so I guess that's why they were allowed to have more interesting arcs. Um. I'd love to see more of that in you know the movies sure. that the series is known for. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, I, here's the thing. I, I think that I think that they're like when you look at the long view of Obi Wan or Luke or even Han Solo to a certain degree. I think there is growth and change there. It's just that usually that comes over over a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. So it's it's harder to see the growth. Like it's it's harder to see the growth of your children when you're with them every single day. Versus if you see them once a year, you notice how much a kid has grown, right? And so I feel like yeah. it's, it's it's kind of the same as it's sorry, it's kind of the opposite of that. Where when you're only seeing Luke every three years, and then not for thirty years in between there, you know it's it's hard to see the growth because you're not. I guess we're just seeing little snapshots. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas we get a lot more. I think. I think there's probably more time spent with Ahsoka than Luke Skywalker in Star Wars media. Like, yeah. By a long shot. So you can just yeah. do so much more with that time. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I definitely see that. Yeah. Uh, any closing season four thoughts before we move on to season five? No, no, because I'm going to go into it with my least favorite episode. I don't need to rant now. Yeah, no, I don't think so. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll return with our discussion of Season 5 of Bone Wars. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we have returned with a discussion of Season 5 of The Clone Wars, uh, this season is uh, ha- has a lot going on in it. This season takes all of the non-movement of season four and shoves it into probably, probably shoves <laughs> two seasons worth of interesting stuff into one season. A- agree? Disagree? Oh, 100% agree. agree. Yes. Agree. This is the good shit right here. 
Yeah, and th this lays the groundwork for a lot of things we see in future series and in films. Yes, yes, there there is a lot here. So, um, let's just let's start. So the first, we jump right in back into Mall and Savage Press stuff here, and mm -hmm. we also in this season get a lot more of Ahsoka and Anakin and Obi Wan. I think just doing better Jedi stuff, like this is this season just has has them being at the top of their Jedi game, mm -hmm. and I really enjoy that. Um, we get we get some time here on on Onderon. We begin to see some more stuff with Death Watch. Where do you guys want to start? Oh, uh, I mean, we can jump in with. Um... Oh, I don't know. I guess Andra, because we can rope in the Savage Press stuff. That really comes into play later, too. Sure, yeah. We just see, you know, for the first time, a villain being, I don't know, intelligent, capable, planning. <laughs> it's it's really refreshing to see, yes. I guess. Uh, the bad guys get a win for once in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And not just bumble their way into ruling the universe, so... We also get in in these first in the Onderon episodes, we we begin to see Ahsoka have a love interest sort of mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. Lux Bonteri, which again, like for the for the Jedi, all the Jedi's talk about how there shouldn't be love. Like every important Jedi we've ever met has had some sort of romantic uh, feelings or liaisons. Right, this is the thing that happens, That's true. and and this is where hopefully it not Yoda, but uh, we have seen we have seen a baby Yoda. We don't know where uh, that no, came yeah. from. You don't know. Hopefully not from Yodette. <laughs> or Yaddle. Yaddle. Yeah. Yoda and Yaddle uh, had Slide. some uh, some foggy, foggy love on uh, <laughs> on Dagobah. And uh, yeah. All right. So, no, but that's a really good point, though. Yeah, this struggle between what the Jedi say they are and say they stand for and then just seeing them really be human. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, we also get in this season the introduction of Saw Gerrera, who's Saw Gerrera. A, a character who is very important in uh, Rebels and is a hugely important part of Rogue One. Mm -hmm. this, that was interesting. Yeah, this is not voiced by um, uh, oh, uh, what's his name? Forrest uh, Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. I, yeah, um, but Forrest Whitaker does voice him in Rebels, right? Rebels, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the old, the older version of Saw he voices. Yeah. yeah. Um, Liz, what did you think of the introduction of Saw here? I was excited about it because it was someone I recognized thanks to um, Rogue One, which is a Star Wars movie I thoroughly enjoy, mm -hmm. um, and also because I, you know, I had heard that he appeared in other Star Wars works. Um, I, as I was going through these episodes, I was also like, well, why wasn't his sister in the movie? Cause she's pretty badass. And then as I made it through the episodes, I realized why yeah. she didn't pop up in the movie as well. Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, this is the first time that we see anything impact the films from television, not the other way around. Mm. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I would say that. Maul's inclusion in Solo is a is is the animation moving towards the screen, 
Um, I would, you know, obviously in in the Rise of Skywalker, we hear both Ahsoka and we hear other characters from the Clone Wars and Rebels speaking to Rey when she is about to take down Palpatine. So that is another instance of it being referenced. But there really aren't, aside from little Easter eggs here and there, there really isn't much that comes from the animation except mm-hmm. for Sagarera. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so I like the first couple episodes in this season, but I think the season really gets going with episode six, which is The Gathering, where Ahsoka and Yoda take the younglings to get their kyber crystals. I love this episode. I enjoyed this episode as well. I love yeah. the spirituality of Star Wars. So this is this this is right in my wheelhouse. I think this this is where we maybe this is the most kid friendly, but stuff that can involve kids and it has you know, the younglings and the wonderment of the force and all of this really cool stuff that excited us when we were young, but isn't real goofy about it. Right. Yeah. And it kind of broke it down to, you know, everyone is different and what's a challenge for you is different as what's a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. This, the reason that this arc works so well for me as well is that while it is undoubtedly sad when you see in episode three Anakin light his lightsaber in the room full of younglings knowing what he's going to do, the younglings is a concept we don't know anything about other than just they're young Jedi. Here mm-hmm. we get to meet some younglings and we know what's going to happen to them and it makes it even more tragic. <sighs> yeah. Oh man, and poor Biff. Biff was real adorable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just it just breaks your heart this whole this whole part. Um, mm-hmm. We also see a lot of Hondo in these Hondo, episodes. Hondo, known from, um, oh, what's the theme park? He's a big part of the uh, the Disney theme park. Galaxy's Edge? Galaxy's Edge. Oh, yeah. is he really? I wasn't aware he is, of that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, uh, the, I think the Falcon ride, you like are doing a run for him. Oh. Right. Yeah. That's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fun. They, they love Hondo. I don't know. One of these days, when the world what? isn't dying, we have to go. <laughs> we have to go there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one of these days. I was supposed to be there in like two weeks. Because uh, I was going to fly out for a Star Wars celebration this year in Anaheim. Oh man! And I was going to oh, go man. to Galaxy's Edge when I was there. And uh, yeah, well, I was going to hopefully make it to Comic Con this year and not get sick. But hey. Yeah, uh, that was just officially canceled yesterday. Yeah, I was so. like, didn't we cancel this months ago? Yeah. I was like, oh, in our minds and hearts, exactly. But not on yes. paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we we get we get the Hondo a couple of episodes, um, and we see Hondo begin to sort of you know he's he he's a character that is always halfway between good and evil, and we see that even within this arc. Right, he he kidnaps Ahsoka, but then he has to join forces with her, and you know it's just it's Hondo is one of those good bounty hunter characters that we get all throughout these these animated series. Mm-hmm. I like Hondo a lot, and this will not be the last we see of Hondo either. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, okay, so then we get oh we we get an R two D two episode because of course. Um, <laughs> Got a bunch of R two D two episodes. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is what what do they call it? Is it the the D Squadron? The 
Yeah. Yeah. Fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The the D squad. Yeah. yeah. It, they are. They're yep, D's. Episodes. <laughs> yeah. You know. I don't think there's going to be. Um, I don't think there's going to be too much we have to say about the D squad. I mean, no. there's one thing we have to say about the D squad. Uh, you know, you want us to list our like favorite episodes. Yeah. You real? Do you know George Lucas's favorite episode? Is one of those episodes. Is it really? George Lucas's favorite episode of The Clone Wars is A Sunny Day in the Void, where they no. get stranded on that salt planet. Yep. Is it? Yep. Really? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He said it in an interview. Wow. <laughs> yeah. This dude really gets it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what to say. Also, if you're a general who's like a foot and a half big, you don't have to have a water bottle that is only an ounce and a half. You can have a regular sized water bottle and have lots of water with you. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. I like that. That's what you lobotomize the droid and you only have like a thimble of water. <laughs> Friggin' mouse and Cinderella. Come on. <laughs> All right. So then then we start <laughs> we, we start getting to the really good stuff here. Uh, I, oh, yeah. I, I can't talk anymore about these. I'm sorry, Matt. Um, so now we get the death watch stuff. So, and this is, you know, we start to get a lot of information about the various criminal enterprises within the star Wars universe. We talk about, uh, black sun, the Pike syndicate. We get more with the huts. You know, this is all, this all, again, this is eventually leading to, Crimson Dawn in Solo. Yeah. Uh, Death Watch also sees the the first appearance of as a voice talent of one Mister uh, John Favreau, who would then go on to also voice a character in Solo and then be the showrunner for The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So hmm. this is an important bit of Star Wars trivia as well here. Um, but yeah, what do you want to say about the Death Watch stuff? It, it, I mean, it's great. I think pulling together. I forgot we didn't see. This is the. Oh, this is the first we see the Pike Syndicate because Pike Syndicate comes back later in season seven. Um, but yeah, pulling back together some of the Hut stuff that we've seen, um, some of the other like criminal bounty hunters and pirates and things like that, and being able to watch Maul and like the newly recolored Death Watch just stomp all over all of these criminal syndicates you're like oh wow okay so this is making sense why these guys are in charge um and just the kind of the ease that they topple everything on mandalore and it really shows you how maul is such a master at manipulation can find every angle and is just at home in chaos in a way that makes him very I don't, formidable in a way that a lot of the other villains in Star Wars just aren't. Um, so that's why I really, really like these episodes. 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed them, too. Um, it, it's almost like Maul is just like, you know, an old timey gangster bringing all these groups together mm-hmm. um, and ruling them. It could be, you know, a Star Wars episode, an episode on a Sopranos. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's ruling them uh, in the same way, um, which, you know, I, I enjoyed. I really liked it. And I, I feel like earlier on in the season or maybe at the end of season four, someone said, I don't know if it was a Jedi, if it was Obi-Wan, someone mentioned they were worried about Maul bringing together the criminal underworld and they were too distracted by other things. And that's exactly mm. what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maul is just such a well-written character here. And, and I, th- I think it's very telling that when Maul was cast in uh, Solo, they used the voice actor from the animated series and did not use the voice actor from the film. Because mm. mm. I, I think everybody recognizes this is who Maul really is. Yeah. Um, it's good stuff. Really good stuff here. Um, what else happens here? So th- now we're getting into the end game of the season, which in some ways is the end game of the series too because at least until recently so season six liz was was a bunch of stuff that was um it was supposed to be a longer season but it it got cut short and so it's 13 episodes instead of the usual you know 20 or 22 episodes we Ah. get and uh there's not as much of an overarching sort of arc for the season Uh, okay and then season seven is is really puts everything back together and and, and ends really really strongly, um, mm. but you know season six is is sort of a lost season. So this this is where the sort of overall shape of the Clone Wars to me comes to an end until season seven. Matt, would you agree with that? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So okay. what did you what did you think of Ahsoka's journey through these last few episodes? I really enjoyed these last few episodes. Um, I, you know, it was obvious she was being set up pretty much from the start. I liked that she and why can't I think of her name now teamed up. Um, Ventress mm-hmm. uh, teamed up together. Um, and I think the Jedi really did Ahsoka dirty here. It, <laughs> um, um, it, I really liked the last episode too. Um, I, I, it's the way I wanted it to end, but I didn't expect it to end. It seemed more high stakes than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when she walks away, I was legitimately shocked. Same. Yeah. In a really good way. Um, yeah, I think that this, first of all, this also brings Tarkin into it. And, mm-hmm. and Tarkin is good here. I, I think that the, the characterization of Tarkin is very good here. Um, if you've, I actually had this spoiled for me because I had read the Tarkin novel before I saw this season. And in the Tarkin novel, he talks about this stuff a little bit. Um, oh. But, but yeah, the, the, the Tarkin stuff is good. Yeah, all of this is really good. Oh, shit, you know what I just realized we, we forgot to talk about? What? R.I.P. Satine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that I'm, was a hell of a moment. I'm sorry. We, 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 have to, we have to go back to that. Uh, poor Satine. So unexpected yeah. high stakes. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think that Satine's death 
really does, you know, obviously that none of this was known when Ewan McGregor was playing Obi-Wan in episode three, but the Obi-Wan in episode three is a little bit more reserved and a little bit more cautious. And I wonder how much of that, when you watch it now, you think of because of what happens in these episodes. Yeah. True. Hmm. Yeah, because it's an Obi-Wan who at one point thought that he had this war in his pocket. Everything was going a-okay. He could control everything and realizing that that's not the case. Right. That there are real things to lose. Um, and also with only one thing left to lose that he ends up losing. Right. Yeah, yeah it's really, really tragic. Yeah. Yeah. It is. This is definitely one of those episodes where I feel like you just you look at this episode, you look at the episode where where Satine dies, and you just think, why did we spend four episodes with droids earlier this season? <laughs> like, there's there's so much stuff here that we could explore more, but we had to go do a bunch of droid shit. Yep. Or Jar Jar stuff, or whatever. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it's it's a shame. Um, all right. Anyway, sorry about that little redirect. There. I, I we, we couldn't go without talking about Satine. Um, no, good so, catch. Yeah. So we see at the end of that episode too. We should mention that Maul has been captured, and uh, Savage Press has been killed by Darth mm-hmm. Sidious. And yeah. So really, really great moment there um, with Sidious, just enjoying his time away from the capital playing villain yeah 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 this whole sequence from i I guess it's like episode maybe 13 or 14 as it's 14 which is the the, the, which is when maul and um and savage uh form the alliance with death watch like from there to the end Mm -hmm. of the season those six episodes are maybe the best run of episodes this series ever does Agreed. Mm. Wow. All right. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to agree. Oh yeah, and what's her name? Is Satine's sister, right? The one from Death Watch. Yeah, Bo-Katan. Okay. Yeah. That's a character. I don't. I don't what's your guys' read on her? Like, I feel like she is a character who never really owns up to the fact that, like, oh, I had a big hand in this shit. Like, right. I, I fucked over my planet. Because I wanted to shoot guns instead of, like, have peace. My sister died. My planet falls. It's eventually going to get worse. Spoiler alert. But uh, I, I feel like she never really takes ownership of that and just sees herself as this hero of Mandalore without any real backing of why that is. And that yeah. becomes more clear in future shows as well. Mm, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah Ru- nothing else was revealed with her, it seemed, except for that. Yeah, it's the teen sister. Yeah. Um, rumor has it she may be one of the characters to show up in The Mandalorian. I wouldn't be shocked, yeah. So The Mandalorian Season 2 sounds like it's going to be basically a Rebels uh, sequel. Yeah. So that's very interesting. So, yeah. All right, so... We are now at the end of season five. 
yeah. Liz, we see a bunch of dudes yell at a young girl to shrug off the fact that she was almost killed because of their incompetence. I know. And confused <laughs> as to why she's mad. Yes. So, Liz, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you were not a fan of season four. Was season five better for you? It was much better. It, yes. It totally redeemed the entire series. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. The entire series. No, that was, that was extreme. <laughs> no, yes. It, it was It was a tough go there with season four. And then after watching season five, it was it was much better. <laughs> yeah. Despite well, the I, fact that we had another force-fed diner in the middle of it. Well, yes. you know. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Star Wars and diner scenes cannot separate them. And it's funny because my favorite kind of food in the world is diner food. You would think I would love them, but my love of Star Wars and my love of diners do not intersect. They don't jive. They don't jive yeah. together, no. It's probably because I never ordered Jawa juice when I'm at a diner. So that's uh, that's why. I, I still – that phrase from episode two still haunts me. Does that mean that uh, the juice was made of Jawas or made by Jawas? Wow. yeah yeah all right so let's uh let's talk a little bit about our favorite episodes of these uh of these two seasons liz what was your favorite episode you think of the of these two seasons all right so for season four my favorite episode was brothers Mm -hmm. um with maul and oh yeah Opress. Um, and, you know, I guess in conjunction, the following episode as well, but I think Brothers beats it out. Um, I'm not sure why exactly, maybe the reveal itself, um, but that was, that was my favorite. It, you know, helped soothe the rough start of season four as well. Um, and I, I think part of it maybe too was just, it was a surprise for me. Nothing was spoiled. Um, you know, the fact that we do find Maul. Um, and I, you know, he was just a, he turned out to be a real, this is going to sound like just a real good character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt, what was your favorite episode of season four? Um, I don't know if I had one. Let's see. Uh, I just, my favorite of the two of them. If I was to pick on season four, it would probably be brothers as well yeah the reveal the seeing the just the broken man that is um maul is awesome although watching the two of them just nonchalantly slaughter a village in the next one it almost is uh is as good because yet again i i think star wars needs more villains not guys wearing black who are brooding so Mm. um i will say that revenge is my favorite episode is, uh, it gets the slight nod over Brothers because of the Ventress stuff in that episode with Ventress mm-hmm. and Obi Wan. I can up. see that. Uh, I really like that stuff a lot. Um, but that those are really good. Those are really good episodes. Uh, in terms of season oh, yeah. five, Liz, what's your favorite episode? Uh, my favorite episode was the final episode, episode twenty, the wrong Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mainly because. Ahsoka basically told those guys to go stick it, which I never thought would happen. <laughs> uh, much like Matt said, you know, the whole time they were, I, and I, I realized, you know, she's a Padawan. She's supposed to do what they tell her. But like I said before, I feel like they really did her dirty that maybe Anakin believed her, um, but it seemed like no one else did. And, you know, she 
did what she thought she had to do. She left the order. Um, and I thought that was great. Matt, what about you? Uh, the Lawless was my favorite of the season. I think both from uh, that's the last one in the uh, Darth Maul on Mandalore. That's where we see him. That's where Satine dies. Yeah. Okay. Satine dies. And then uh, Sidious recognizes uh, Maul as a rival. And the two of them fight. um, Not Asajj. Savage dies. So really a lot of moving pieces. Uh, but really is just like a great moment in seeing the Emperor be um, be a Sith for once and really proving the point, stop at the lightning, use the lightsabers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite is actually the gathering with Yoda and the the younglings getting their kyber crystals. Okay. Um, I like that. I like a lot of the arcs a lot, but in terms of just a single episode, I really like that one. That one's excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think we, we've we've been pretty clear about our least favorites <laughs> over the course of discussing this. You know, we don't need to, to dig those holes any deeper. Um, but I I am uh, very screw Boba Fett. That's yes, all I got to say. Boba Fett is terrible in this. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> Just when you thought he couldn't be more annoying, he's now a shitty teenager. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. He brings he brings a assassin droid that looks like Dot Matrix from Spaceballs with him, <laughs> and somehow doesn't realize why things go wrong. Yeah. So I'm really interested to to get Liz's take on season seven. Uh, six has some good stuff. I'm not I'm not trying to say that it's it's not as good, but six feels a little six bit. Has another really weird arc that I like. Um, the Yoda arc. Yes, the Yoda the Yoda stuff is the best stuff in the season to me. But I almost wonder if that's retconned now with um, Rise of Skywalker. Huh. It might be, but that doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. Yeah, um, I'm going to look into that. I'll, I'll try to figure that out. This arc also has a lot to do with uh, Sifo-Dyas, who is an mm-hmm. important character in some of the novels that we get later on. Um, but that's a whole other story. But yeah, so yeah, season... not a Hispanic character as I thought from uh, Clone Wars. <laughs> no, no. Um, we will uh, we will be back to talk about those in a little while. But first, we're, we're going to do something we talked about for a long time, which is both Liz and Matt had said to me over the years that they have not watched the prequels all that much. Um and so I thought it would be fun for the three of us to watch the prequels together. This was planned initially as, like, share a popcorn on a couch and watch these movies. But that's not going to happen now because of this goddamn coronavirus. So instead... You know the chill that went through my spine when you said share a popcorn? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, we, we, uh... we have been conditioned to not do that stuff anymore. Uh... Oh. Sad. Yeah. Let me tell you, there is almost nothing I miss more than the movies right now. I agree. I love love the movies. I know Liz, you and I have bonded before over our mutual love of going to the movies. And we have. uh yeah, this is tough. But I know. We're we're going to have our own little private movie theaters in our homes and we will uh we we will watch the prequels and discuss them one at a time. So we encourage you guys to watch uh episode 1, The Phantom Menace in a few days or so as you know, we got 2 weeks to watch it. We'll be back in 2 weeks to discuss it. And remember, until then, the Force will be with you always.
Tschüss. Thank you.